If you were born and raised in Phoenix, there's a chance that today's question won't automatically compute for you. Hey, I'm Kim Driscoll from Mesa, Arizona. The question that I have, and I know a lot of our friends and neighbors have the same question because I was talking to them about this, because we're transplants to Arizona and not locals. And we are wondering why so many area subdivision neighborhoods have cinder block walls separating all of the neighbors. As a transplant myself, I noticed the same thing when I moved here. Kim and I both came here from the Midwest, where fences tend to be made out of materials like wood. The amount of concrete I saw in the valley was astounding. However, my teammates Taylor Seeley and Britza Dominguez grew up here, so it wasn't really something they'd noticed before. It was just part of the scenery for them. And there's a reason for that, which I'll get to in today's episode. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm Katie O'Connell, filling in for Kayla White as host this week. To understand why there are so many concrete fences in Phoenix, you actually have to rewind a few decades. During World War II, the U.S. Air Force needed a place where they could run exercises year-round. They found that in the sunny skies of Phoenix. Here's how Arizona Memories of the 1950s described it. That's an Arizona PBS documentary. Soon, servicemen were pouring into Army camps and newly built air bases like Luke and Williams. Fear of a coastal invasion also brought defense plants to the area. After the war, many of the veterans who served here returned. They were lured back by manufacturing jobs that remained here. This is Phoenix. The vitality of the people may be generated here by the new pioneers. Men and women starting afresh in a new land. But that growing population meant there was a huge demand for affordable, quality housing. And that demand could be met thanks to a new type of concrete block, the super light block. Superlight was actually developed in 1944 during World War II by three men. Coach Thomas, Bill Thomas, and Gilbert Olson. So it was on hand and ready to go by the time the post-war population boom started. Here to tell us more about that is... Taz Tetsi. I'm a senior architect at Motley Design Group. Taz wrote about Superlight for Modern Phoenix. That's a group that celebrates mid-century modern design in our city. So, um, super light is a lightweight concrete block. Uh, so it is made uh, with sand, Portland cement, uh, perlite, and volcanic scoria. And that volcanic scoria is the key ingredient. It's basically cooled magma from volcanic explosions. It is super strong, but it's also very light, so it allows the material to have the strength that needs to have, as well as um, have the lightness of it. 
And where did the three men who invented this new type of block find volcanic scoria? That material comes uh, uh, from Winona, Arizona. That's one place that, uh, that it comes from, and that's the place that Superlight was um, uh, mining it from. So it's a very local innovation. Superlight was a local innovation that accomplished a few things. It was lighter than your typical concrete block, which meant it was easier for masons to work with. So, you know, typical mason, it's, you know, having to lay a, uh, say, a 40-pound block compared to a 30-pound block, they like the 30-pound block a whole lot better. That's Dave Endres. He's the vice president of customer experience for Old Castle APG. That's the company that owns and manufactures Superlight now. But it wasn't just the reduced weight of a Superlight block that sped up construction. Superlight blocks were also larger than standard blocks. Concrete block is actually an all-in-one. You can actually use it um, as both a finished material and as a structural material. So the weight of the brick and the size of the brick made it faster to work with. Ditto with the fact that it could serve as both an exterior and interior wall. And faster construction meant cheaper construction. This made it a really appealing material for local builders. And I do believe the fact that it was locally produced uh, and a local innovation does did really influence the um, housing developers to, to use it. But that's not all. Superlight blocks are fire-resistant, they're soundproof, they can stand up to our summers, and bugs like termites can't eat them. Taz said they even have some insulating properties. Well, at least they did in the 1950s before the urban heat island effect really kicked in. That effect has made it a little harder for Superlight to insulate in the same way, but there is a fix. Homeowners can have insulation retroactively added inside of the blocks to help out. In short, they're kind of the perfect material to build with in the desert. In her blog post on Modern Phoenix, Taz wrote that by 1955, Superlight was used in construction of 75% of new buildings. By 1965, 80% of all new wall construction featured Superlight. They were, they were producing, you know, uh, 60, around 60 million blocks a year, uh, which is a lot for the time. Dave said that at one point, Phoenix had the largest concrete block manufacturing facility in the world. And the interesting thing is, is that most of the blocks that they were making was used right here in Maricopa County. Superlight boasted big-name clients, like John F. Long. Long was responsible for developing approximately 30,000 homes during this time period. That includes the master-planned community of Maryvale. Eventually, the bricks became the focal point for the modernist design movement that was unfolding during the 50s and 60s. Taz said that the modernist movement scorned ornamentation. You don't tack on anything that makes it look more beautiful or, you know, or, uh, things like that. You basically let the material itself sing and be the beauty of the building. 
Churches like St. Vincent de Paul and Shepherd of the Valley in Phoenix were made from it. Although Taz's favorites are a bit more humble. I think the beauty of concrete block, especially here in Phoenix, is that I just love all of just the humble buildings that have concrete blocks. Like even the uh, homes in Maryvale, you know, I think they're really beautiful um, because they have concrete blocks. Or some of the office buildings in some of the older areas in town um, that have bump blocks, you know. And um, so it's not, to me, it's not a material that only glamorous buildings have, you know, it's one of like the common materials out there that that makes every building uh, more beautiful, you know. But super light usage wasn't restricted to houses. It was used for fences too. It wasn't a lot of small builders doing a few lots here and there. You had people getting into more of the major builders and uh, people like Del Webb, you know, Sun City and places like that where they they would do a something unique and different and cool looking for the perimeter wall going around the subdivision, you know, that might have three, four hundred, five hundred homes in it. All of the same benefits applied when Superlight was used to build fences. It's a lighter, larger building material, so it's easier and faster for masons to work with. It offers soundproofing. And it can handle the valley's heat better than wood, which warps or rots. And uh, because this area does not have to worry about really cold weather, we don't have freeze-thaw. Freeze-thaw creates cost to a fence, a masonry fence. So if if I want to build a fence, say, in Minnesota, I have to worry about the frost line, you know, freezing, you know, which you have to put your footing down fairly low in the ground to get below the frost line. When you're in Phoenix, you don't have a problem. And the list of advantages goes on. So in terms of security, you, you really can't get any better than a, a CMU fence. That's a concrete masonry unit fence. Um, and uh, maintenance is great. And again, you know, you don't need any extra material on it. You can just paint it and be done with it. People would build the walls high for privacy. And in some instances, they'd add a little bit of customization to the top. Architects developed a special kind of decorative block out of the material as well. You may have heard of these referred to as breeze blocks. They're concrete blocks with geometric patterns in the middle of them. Sometimes these blocks were used for exterior walls surrounding things like patios, or they provided shade in walkways, producing an architectural feature called a breeze soleil. These are commonly found in places like Phoenix and Southern California. Superlight is still in production today. Dave said that Talking Stick Arena was built using a more modern version of the block. However, Superlight is no longer the preferred method of home building. Dave said that changed in the 70s and 80s with the gas crunch. People became more aware of energy efficiency then, and home builders developed new energy-efficient models for building. Some of the wood frame uh, construction came up with some different methods of constructing that touted a higher R value for a wood frame type home. 
with stucco on it, which became the the preferred construction method we see now in the valley, where it's uh, wood stud walls, and they do a uh, foam, like a white foam insulation on the exterior, and then stucco goes over that. Uh, that's what majority of homes are built with nowadays. Although concrete housing production slowed down in the 80s, concrete fencing production grew. Dave said that's thanks in part to another brick manufacturer named Dooley. They started pushing developers to use masonry in their fencing to offset its decline in housing. Next thing you know, we're looking at it as a super light block. We're saying, hey, what a great idea. So everybody got on that that same uh, concept of, hey, let's go out and promote and sell masonry fences to the home builders. And people loved them because, again, the maintenance on them made a nice solid uh, fence between houses. And so it just became the, the, it was considered if you didn't have a block fence, you just weren't uptown, I guess would be the best way to put it. Whether it's used for a house or a fence, for Taz, Superlight still holds a special place in the development of our community. It's very representative of Phoenix in my opinion. It's a very, um, it's something that we should be proud of because it's a wonderful uh, invention that's used all over the world, you know, and, but it's it's still a very local, um, it's part of our identity. And so I think it's a part of our identity that we should be proud of. Well, listeners, that's all for today. I find it fascinating that the advent of one block could help build a community of our size. If you're a new listener and you're curious about the population growth in the Valley, I did two episodes on that topic last year. You can scroll back in your feed to find them. And if you want to read more about Superlight or see examples of it, I'll add Taz's blog post from Monard Phoenix to our show notes. And if you're a regular listener of our show, please consider supporting it by subscribing to EasyCentral.com. Our regular host, Kayla White, is on furlough this week. We know there's a lot of uncertainty in these days, but something as simple as a digital subscription can help ensure our ability to bring you these stories week after week. I'm Katie O'Connell signing off for now. Take care until next week.